Well, hey, friend, how are you? I hope you're having a wonderful day. Do you like to listen to audiobooks? Are you an audiobook person, a physical book person, or a Kindle person? If you've been around for very long, you know that I like to do all three of these. It just kind of depends on the book. I just finished The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins on Audible. She's one of those authors that I really like listening to her books because I recognize her voice and I just feel like the book really comes alive by hearing her read it. So today I'm going to share three game-changing takeaways from that book that I really hope will bless you. Let's do it. Welcome to Fruition Mindset, where it's all about mindset coaching for Christian entrepreneurs. Ever feel like life is passing you by? Do you want to have a purpose-filled business that lights you up? Do you keep procrastinating and putting your dreams on the back burner? When I wanted to start my first business over 10 years ago, I was the same way. It didn't matter how many letters I had behind my name or what my credentials were, I never felt ready or qualified. After I had a session with a coach that totally shifted my perspective, everything changed for me. Hi, I'm Kayla Eggenberger, wife, mama, mindset coach, and daughter of the king. And I'm here to tell you that your breakthrough is on the other side of letting go of fear and perfectionism and stepping into who God has created you to be and where he's calling you to go. On this podcast, you'll learn how to renew your mind, get clarity on your purpose, and make confident decisions so you can walk out your faith with focus and consistency to finally create the freedom you want in your life and business. If you're ready to develop the mindset you need to take the dreams God has laid on your heart and bring them into fruition, you are in the right place. So fill up your favorite mug, grab your journal, and get ready to take some thoughts captive. So speaking of listening to things, do you guys know that song, My Jesus by Ann Wilson? Recently, my oldest daughter had a piano concert. It was a concert for the entire music school that she attends. And there was this girl that sang My Jesus by Ann Wilson. And I had heard the song before. But, you know, sometimes whenever you hear something from somebody different or in a different way or in a different setting, there's something about, you know, your brain that perks up, right? And that takes notice. And so whenever I heard the song sung by this girl who was probably around 10 or 11, it just really made me recognize just how powerful that song is. And so the same thing happened for my kids. And so we've been playing it over and over and over again. Ann Wilson, from what I understand, actually wrote this song. She's quite young. One of my favorite lines in the song is where she says, and let my Jesus change your life. When she says that, it literally makes me choke up a little bit. That's one of the reasons that I do Christian life coaching. While life coaching tools can definitely help us to have a better life and live more intentionally, it is ultimately Jesus that can change our lives like nobody else can if we will let him. So anyway, if you're not familiar with that song, go check it out. All right, speaking of things we're listening to, I finished the book, The High Five Habit by by Mel Robbins, and it didn't take very long. I just breezed through it because it was so good. Well, I say it didn't take very long. Actually, I started it a long time ago, listened to a very small portion of it, and for whatever reason was distracted by other books, other things I was listening to, And then I recently came back to it and just finished it all very quickly. And it was such a blessing to me because what I got out of the book, I felt like came at the exact right time. 
I don't know if you've had that experience before, but I often feel like books, you know, I may put them in my queue on Audible or I may buy them and put them on my shelf. Even if I don't read them right right then, I, I eventually feel like I am led to them at the exact right time that I need them. And that's kind of how I felt about the high five habit. Now, if you're not familiar with Mel Robbins, she's a best-selling author. She has a number one podcast on Audible. I was introduced to Mel Robbins, and I believe it was 2017, so it's been a little bit, and she was speaking at the Success Conference, hosted by Success Magazine. I don't know what it was called, the Success Conference. That's just what I'm calling it. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was hosted here in Dallas, so I went to it with my husband. and. I didn't really know anyone at that time. Like I, I hadn't heard the name Mel Robbins, I don't think, before. I didn't know who Brendan Burchard was. He's another person that spoke at the conference. Lewis Howes. I mean, there were a number of people that are you know, now very, very well-known people. And maybe they were back then. But I mean, they're even more so now. But I, I wasn't personally familiar with them back then. It was an amazing conference, as you can imagine. One thing I remember at the time, my youngest daughter was still a baby. And so I was still nursing her. And this was an all day event. So I had to take my breast pump and everything with me to this conference. And it was at a very nice hotel. And so the hotel restroom had a separate lounge area. Like it was very nice. It wasn't like it was in the bathroom. It was like there was a separate lounge area. But whenever the conference broke for you know, for breaks and stuff. I mean, everybody went to the bathroom, right? So I had like actually slipped out before the break. I didn't know when the breaks were. I slipped out to go and pump in this lounge. Well, so I'm sitting there and thankfully I at least, you know, had the kind of cups that, you know, it's not like a traditional breast cup. Like they actually go inside your shirt. I was actually wearing a shirt, but I'm still like hooked up to this machine. And so anyway, I'm sitting in this lounge and it's exterior to the actual restroom. So everybody that's going to the restroom has to walk through the lounge. Well, apparently it broke for a break and then everybody came in. And so the there was this line out of the actual bathroom through the lounge out the door of all these women waiting to use the bathroom. And here I am, like sitting in this lounge, hooked up to this machine, thankfully not exposing myself, but it's very, it was just still awkward, right? And then you have these people that are literally just standing in line right there. And it, it was it was very, very weird. It gets weirder whenever I see a friend that I haven't seen since about elementary school in that line. So now I'm seeing people I know and haven't seen for, you know, decades. But the beautiful thing about it, and this is how God can use the most awkward, weird, humbling circumstances to bring about things for your good and his glory is that that friend, because we reconnected at that conference and she knew that I was very much into personal development and everything, she asked me to speak at a women's retreat that she was hosting. And it ended up being one of my first times really speaking and um, sharing my personal story. And she also had a podcast. So it was my first time being on a podcast. So had I not been sitting there in this awkward, vulnerable position with my breast pump in this lounge, with the line running right through it, I may not have had that encounter with her. I got off on a little bit of a tangent there. 
But I want you to know that even in the most awkward of circumstances, God can take that and he can turn it into something that is fruitful. But that was the first time that I had been introduced to Mel Robbins. That was um, around the time that I think, I think it was around the time she released the five second rule. I don't know. I haven't gone and looked back at dates or anything, but uh, I remember she did talk about the five second rule, which was her first, I believe, major book that came out. If you're not familiar with that, definitely also worth reading or listening to. But today I want to talk about The High Five Habit. This book, there was a lot to unpack, and I'm only going to share really three things with you. There's so much more in there, so please don't think that this is like the only three things. But these are three things that just really, really stood out to me. The High Five Habit, what it is, it's literally just you high-fiving yourself in the mirror every morning, which sounds weird and it sounds silly. And like it's not going to work or not going to do anything. But another thing that I love about Mel Robbins is that she actually brings the neuroscience and what has been discovered about the brain to show why some of these things actually work and actually make sense. If you're anything like me, you like hearing about all the new neuroscience and brain research that's being done. It's so fascinating. In one of my recent podcasts, I mentioned how we waste a lot of time judging ourselves and others. And I like that Mel goes pretty deep into that in this book. She talks about the amount of time that we spend looking in the mirror and really judging what we see there and picking it apart. So my first major takeaway from the book is being able to actually flip that. And instead of looking in the mirror and really judging yourself and picking yourself apart, making it so that you actually look forward to seeing that person in the mirror. And it doesn't mean that you, you know, like your appearance anymore or whatever, but it means actually seeing the person that you are versus just your physical features and flaws. In the book, she shares some strategies on how to make this change to go from judging yourself in the mirror to actually seeing yourself like a friend that you're excited to see. And she talks also about the science as to why the strategies work. I think that the whole self-love concept that is very popular right now, people always talking about self-love and self-care, all that stuff, it can go to a toxic place that really actually does become selfish. We like to say that it doesn't, but I think it actually can. And I think we're seeing some of that in the culture. But I would say that for the people that I work with, and most likely you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not really in danger of that. As a matter of fact, it may be the opposite. As I was listening to Mel's words, I was thinking about the scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's a presumption there that you love yourself, right? And also how you can't really love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. You know, if you hate yourself, if you're constantly judging yourself, you're probably judging other people. If you're accepting of yourself and you love yourself, you're probably showing that to other people as well. Mel talks a lot about your reticular activating system, otherwise known as your RAS. And this is a term that has gotten a lot of attention lately, so this may not be your first time hearing it, but I like how she explains your RAS. And my second takeaway from the book is just how important it is to train your RAS. Your reticular activating system helps your brain know what to focus on and what is important. There's so much information that our brain is taking in from all of our senses, from everything we see, read, hear, everything. 
And the brain has to have some criteria, some filter to know what to focus on, what to think about. And that's where your RAS comes in. And while I feel like this is the example that's used over and over and over again, just in the event that you've never heard of your RAS, I'm going to go ahead and give this example because it really is a very relatable way that you can understand it. Let's say that you decide you want to buy a black Bronco. And so now everywhere on the road, you're seeing these black Broncos that you didn't see before. It's because you've now told your brain that black Broncos are important. And so your brain is looking for black Broncos. It doesn't mean that there's more black Broncos on the road than there were previously. It's just that your brain isn't filtering out that information. It's paying attention to it now. And while the Bible obviously does not use those the terms RAS or about how to train it or engage it or, or how it works, it certainly tells us a lot about the mind and what to do and not do when it comes to what to think about, what to focus on. I'm reminded of Philippians 4.8 where Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If you are looking for these things, then you are training your RAS. Now, I'm an amateur when it comes to the Bible, but I don't recall seeing, think about the things that are anxiety producing. Meditate on the lies. Meditate on the things that make you fearful. Focus on what makes you feel doubtful, scared, worried. It seems like our brains can focus on those negative things pretty easily. We have to train our brains using our reticular activating system to look for the things in Philippians 4.8. And of course, this verse is just one of many, many that help us to know how we are to focus our minds and filter our thinking. Just like the laws of physics and mathematics and things like that were created by God for us to uncover, I believe that the field of neuroscience is proving what the Bible already tells us. It just doesn't use the modern terms that, you know, we might use to refer to certain things today. Oh, and by the way, this book is not really written from a Christian perspective. So I just want to I just want to be clear about that. There may be some ideas and some things in there that you may or may not agree with. Definitely there may be some colorful language in there, so if that's something that that you find offensive, you may want to steer clear. But for me, I feel comfortable taking in information, running it through my filter of my Christian belief system, and extracting from it what I find valuable and helpful and in alignment with what I read biblically, and then discarding the rest. So any of these Christian references or um, biblical references are my own. They are not expressed in the book. But I like the way that Mel teaches, and I like that she brings some real practical and tactical solutions along with the neuroscience. So I can read that part and then ask myself how this applies to me as a Christian. So anyway, just wanted to make that clear. The, the views about the Christian and biblical references are mine and are not expressed in the book, and it's not something that Mel wrote about. The third thing from this book that I found really, really helpful and interesting is what Mel has to say about visualization. I learned there's a right way and a wrong way to use visualization. And 
I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time with visualization. But I know that visualization is powerful. I remember back from my, you know, college psychology days, um, reading about, especially in the in the area of sports, how athletes visualize themselves doing certain things. It does have an impact on performance. We have these brains that are capable of thinking and imagining. What's crazy to me is that my brain has no problem visualizing terrible stuff happening, right? Like I can easily envision like some of the most horrible things happening. But whenever it comes to actual good things in my life, things that I want to have happen, goals that I have, dreams that God has put on my heart, I find those things very difficult to see in my mind. In the book, Mel talks about how we think about visualizing the end result. Instead of visualizing ourselves doing the smaller tasks and things that maybe we don't really even want to do. She used an analogy or an illustration of a marathon. And this hit home for me because I have 100% lived everything that she said when it came to the marathon. And she was talking about how, you know, whenever you want to run a marathon and it feels out of reach, like you think like, oh, I need to visualize myself crossing the finish line. But she said, no, actually, that's not it. As a matter of fact, if you visualize something that seems way too far away, it can actually make you feel more discouraged. Instead, visualize yourself getting up and running even when you don't feel like it or getting up and doing your training run even when it's raining outside. And then she talks about imagining that you're on mile two of a 12-mile training run and your headphones die or your iPhone dies. That has totally happened to me. As a matter of fact, on my very first marathon, this was actually on the marathon, not the training run, but the very first marathon that I ran by myself, it was incredibly windy. And I don't even know how to describe how windy it was, but it was like the windiest of windy. And not only that, it was about mile four, wasn't mile two, but it was mile four of the 26.2 mile race that my headphones died. Like for whatever reason, it wouldn't work. I didn't have time to sit and try to figure out what was happening really. I mean, I gave it a few minutes, but after that, I just had to keep going. And so I ran the rest of the 22 miles without any music at all whatsoever. And you may be saying, what's the big deal about that? But if you know, you know. She talks about visualizing yourself doing these things that you don't necessarily want to do when it comes to your business. What are those tasks that are uncomfortable or, you know, that you need to do? But visualize yourself doing the small things, even when, you know, you don't want to, even when it's windy, even when your headphones die. When she started talking about visualization, I started to think about prayer. I think a lot of times we pray for this certain end result in our lives. And I started thinking about what a difference it might make to shift that from focusing on the end result to focusing on asking God to help us with the smaller steps, the small little stepping stone things there that for whatever reason we're finding difficult or that we're struggling with or that we need to do but we're, we're having trouble doing. It's so amazing to me that we have a God that actually wants a relationship with us. And as I look back over my own life, I've noticed how sometimes I tend not to go to him with what I consider the smaller things. But creating that relationship of relying on him consistently in the small things and in the big things, that's really what transforms any situation or circumstance. So those are my three major takeaways from the High Five Habit. If you've read the book, I would love to know your thoughts as well. I hope you have a wonderful, fruitful, productive rest of your day, and we'll talk soon. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me today. If this podcast has blessed you in some way, I would love for you to share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. When you leave a review, it helps the podcast grow and reach more people. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Oh, 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 o